big ruck when Thomas was in the front spot that time. Ball hits the deck, handball over the top. Martin, he couldn't quite trap it, but had the skill to go after it again. Make that three. Make that three, you little beauty. He's a superstar, Cole Martin. And he slammed through his first on the bending over. Reese Avery's grass. Who's going to claim the ball? It's just falling out of hand. Now, can we have a shot at goal? It's against Spice. It's Spice. He's picked it up and he's just put it on the left. And the big. We're refreshed and ready to go ahead of one of the most enticing rounds of Eastern Football Netball League action in a long time. It's one versus two in Division 4 and Division 3 as Churnside Park take on Sylvan and the Waverley Blues host Warrandyte. In Division 2, the Basin look to jump back into the top five with an away trip to Ringwood, whilst Beaconsfield have a chance to lock away a final spot in Division 2. And there's some absolute thigh rubbers in Premier Division. I'm Matthew Foddy and joining me today on the Deakin Uni Weekend Forecast, as ever, the full ensemble is back together. Jared Beanland, Josh Ward and... Matt Spider-Lee. Spider, you'd be excited, mate. The, the, a weekend where we won't have to talk about the Rams because we think they've got a safe one, but there's so many good games of footy this weekend. Yeah, g'day, buddy. G'day, everyone. It's uh, great to be back and after a week of you know, refreshing up after uh, you know, the break. But look, it's... Um it's an exciting weekend across all divisions, really. There's just so many great games to have a look at and talk about, you know, from Premier Division, you know, the South Court and Noble Park game. Then you look through the other games, you know, the Waverley and Warrandyke game, as we'll talk about throughout throughout the program. There's uh, plenty of uh, choice for spectators to get out and have a look. So if you're weighing up your options on uh, which way to head out around the east, uh, well, hopefully we'll be able to direct you in a couple of different paths uh, you know, on the program. Yeah, good day, Jansen. Good day to the listeners. Uh, it's great to be back. Uh, you know, obviously, I missed uh, you know the the one a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was a fantastic round as well, and leads into this one really nicely because there were some like really good developments during that. I was watching the East Bowood Ringwood game. You know, pretty pretty under the weather, pretty ill, and. Listening to some of the uh, scores coming through from some of the divisions, I thought I was having a bloody fever dream with, you know, Roville and Doncaster, you know, <laughs> Park Orchards, getting over Donny East, uh, Montrose, defeating Croydon. A lot of a lot of really interesting uh, results that will permeate throughout uh, this podcast and this weekend. Yeah, great to be back as well, talking all things EFNL senior men's competition. And yeah, it is definitely a great round. There's, oh, the last couple of rounds have been very interesting, as Jared said as well, particularly that last round. It's also a great round because it's soccer to MND round. It so, is. Yeah, a great initiative by the AFNL and, yeah, can't wait to dive into some of these big matches. Yeah, and we, we encourage everyone to, to get their beanies on and wear them to the local footy because it's, yeah, got to beat the beast um, for, for Neil, who's doing great work. But uh, And, Jared, just quickly before we go on about that, is you were part of the Junior Interleague, the Metro Junior Development Series. Unfortunately, you got stooged with the game where we lost. <laughs> um, but it, we know it was the first time the league's uh, ever live-streamed the, the Junior Interleague. And were you impressed with what was on display, mate? Some good footy? Yeah, absolutely. Some really good goals uh, out there. You know, just uh, standing out in the stands, you know, you can't tell necessarily that they're just the, you know, 14-year-olds. Some of the excitement, some of the vigor that they bring, some of the intensity as well at the football, you know, they they get a, you know, I think we've seen some players of the future, essentially. Yeah, some really good talent, yeah. Matty. I had a bit of a look on the stream and you have to be more than impressed what the, the league at junior level is providing. So a lot of clubs doing some good work with their development programs and uh, it's going to create many pathways for some of these young aspiring footballers. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if anyone is interested, you can, interested in the results, you can find uh, all of those and a link and so on. Uh, and results on don't necessarily indicate no, they're not, the they're not of the, the kids. Um, yeah. And the results aren't, whilst we always want to win, uh, the results aren't the, 
you know, there's no winner of the Metro Junior Development Series. But it's all about the future and, and the clubs uh, progressing. And there'll be some guys that get to, and, and boys and girls get to get to go and to elite level. But there's, more importantly, this competition too that they'll be around for a long time to come. Absolutely. They'll probably play more footy for their local club than, than any other club uh, as, as the year goes on. But let's jump into the, the men's action. As Josh said, it's great to be back with a full fixture list. And we'll start in Premier Division. It's it's a massive round. Uh, Spider already alluded to what many would describe probably the obvious game in terms of South Court and Noble Park. But we're going to start with Vermont and Blackburn. Uh, there's a bit of connotation around this one. Josh, you know, it's a big rivalry. You know, Vermont uh, and Blackburn, obviously, it's developed over the, the previous years. Blackburn always, I think this is the big one for them. They always want to be able to knock off Vermont. I don't think Vermont care about it just as much, but... They do have a quite interesting relationship. And in terms of the context of the year, it's a big chance for Vermont to pull 10 points clear of Blackburn, who are on 14, Vermont on 20 currently, and, they'll, and they will then leapfrog either Doncaster East or Baldwin. Um, and then for Blackburn, if they can win this game, they'll be back to just two, they'll be half a game behind Vermont and the loser of that Donny East Baldwin game. So it's a big game for both sides, Josh. Yeah, and I think it'll give, if Blackburn win here, it'll give them confidence as well that they've been another team which is around them. You know, they defeated Norwood in their previous match, Park Orchards, I'd say they're in a bit of a, a similar spot. So it would give them it'll confidence. It'll be the first side above them, definitely. It would be, but yeah, um, it would. it's going to be a very interesting one. I reckon it'll be as close as the one last year out at Vermont, Res- Vermont Recreation Reserve. And I think it'll all come down to the two key forwards for both sides, Ryan Bathy and Andrew Angel. Whoever can get off the leash a little bit more, they um, they can yeah they'll play a big role in their team's winning because both they've had their struggles att- offensively they've been pretty strong defensively yeah. so so both sides yeah like you said that so they average about seventy points a game each Vermont seventy point two Blackburn sixty seven point five and the Eagles have been slightly better defensively Spider um, but Josh makes a good point isn't it it might be not a shootout, so it's a shootout, but not in the general sense that we usually. It's not Ablett versus Dunstall. It's more of a you know shootout in terms of if one could kick three, one of those two can get off the leash uh, in, in air marks and kick three. Maybe that might be the difference because we expect this one to be fairly scrappy. Well, I think it will be. It, it always tends to be between those two teams. They just like having those close contests, especially down, down to, at Vermont. And look, Blackburn, they'll be hunting them because they'll, they'll think that they're a really big chance and they like their chances. They, they talk up the rivalry down there. Uh, Vermont have Always dominated them over a long period of time. So, from the point of view of midfield, well, I just not just on Vermont. that. So, Blackburn haven't beaten Vermont in the last five attempts. So, Vermont yeah, won the so last five. there's been a yeah. So, it's been a long time between victories. So, you know, I think midfield wise, Vermont has served really well. I think they're a little bit stronger. I think it's just more been come down to consistency this year. We just needed a more consistent performance from Vermont over four quarters, and they haven't really provided that that yet for us this season, particularly at home where they've only won some games uh, by narrow margins. So they really need to put a a solid performance together and really start the the second part of the season in in good style. And for Blackburn, look, if they talk about a big scalp and want to be a contender, well, that starts tomorrow against Vermont and taking down one of the, the big guns that have been around for such a long time. So for them, it's a big game. It's an eight-point game for them if they want to be alive uh, come finals time. Not sure that they'll get the job done. I've just got a feeling that Vermont will have too much class through the midfield for them and then be able to finch up forward. Yeah, in terms of that midfield battle, Jared, so you would say the emphasis then is on the likes of Jason Red, Nick Gray, Matt Bartlett, yep. and and others from Blackburn because they're going to have to negate. That's probably where Vermont's real strength still is. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Andrew's a good player, and then James Ross, is a, their defence is still holding up very well, as I mentioned, and James Ross leads that 
uh, really well. But they're, they're probably their they're diamond is Lockie Johns, Matt Arnott, the new recruit, and, and Alex Greenwood. So Blackburn are going to have to do really well to at least even out that battle. Yeah, so I had to look back actually at the uh, Norwood game, uh, Norwood versus Blackburn, and uh, because obviously Norwood's you know one of the premier midfielders uh, midfields in the competition, uh, they toweled up. Blackburn in the midfield battle, despite losing the game overall. So it was 38 clearances to 60 uh, in total, which was like a significant loss for Blackburn. Norwood were just not able to convert that um, on the scoreboard, obviously, and it ended up being quite lopsided. Uh, They only had the two marks inside 50, Norwood. So defensively, Blackburn were on point. I'd suggest that they probably had like quite a bit of pressure uh, put put on uh, Norwood's inside 50s. Uh, so I would say, look, Vermont are a team that would be able to take that midfield advantage and make Blackburn pay way more than Norwood were able to. And I'd say that that is in the end where uh, Blackburn, they'll have to stand up. As you said, those midfielders um, that you mentioned, uh, it's you know their time to shine, I reckon. Uh, but as you said, yeah, Vermont's midfielders just... Potentially going to yeah. be too strong, and they them. kick goals too, especially Lockie yeah. Johns. He's been, I think, he was close to their leading goal kicker last year, and, and he'd be up there this year. Yeah, so. and Arnott's kicking goals as well mm. regularly now, and uh, Greenwood's having a real impact uh, in that midfield, really leading from the front. He's stepped up again this year. He's, um, I think, just the more and more people that leave, that I think we realise that Alex Greenwood sort of holds holds everything together. He's the engine. Everyone else is the flashy mm. sort of stuff on the outside of the car, but yep. Alex Greenwood is the engine. But yeah, it's it's a really interesting game. As Spider said, it's a it's an eight point especially for Blackburn because if they can win not only do they gain four points but they take four points off the side that we think is most vulnerable in the top six let's tips on this one we'll go each game as we go along because there's so many good games this week Josh what are you leaning towards Vermont at home Uh, yeah I'd never doubt Vermont at home so I think they just get the win here Jared I have to take Vermont in this one yeah Spider Vermont by around about five goals I think they'll do it pretty comfortably yeah I I think we're all going to go with Vermont but yeah I think Blackburn's defensive as Jared pointed out they they clearly are pretty good. They're still strong behind the ball too. Like they lost the clearances comfortably against Norwood, but we're able to hold up. But yeah, scrappy game under two goals. I think it's always close this one, but I think we're going to have to go with Vermont so far. Uh, let's roll into that that big one I did allude to off the top there, South Croydon and Noble Park. Um, first game at Cheong Park for the season of men's football. I think a few women's games have been played at Cheong thus far. So still the rooms are a little bit under construction. So if you are heading out to that one, there's very limited parking, if at all. Not that Cheong was a great parking ground to begin with, but um, there's there's more limited car parking. And then in terms of food options, obviously, I think the rooms aren't quite completed. So no, the photos I've yeah, seen this so, morning that have been sent to me suggest that they have So there won't completed. be, I don't think there'll be a canteen. I'm sure Macca's Bar will still be going up on the hill, and I'm sure there'll be a barbecue or something alike that Ringwood had um, for us a couple of weeks ago out there. But yeah, in terms of that, there is the little... Uh, sort of South Croydon shops there, the Eastfield shops that you can uh, get some grub from. But yeah, Noble Park fans, if you are going out to that one, be aware. Uh, but yeah, first game of that one. So South Croydon, I'll be really excited. They and Bourne will get a lot of home games at the back end of the year because of works on their respective grounds. But they're taking on a Noble Park side who I don't think really care where they play Spider. Their, their pressure last week against Bourne, obviously I was there. I'm sure you guys sort of watched longer. I've seen the highlights. Bourne, I think if we... I don't know if the disposal count. I haven't seen it. No, Park definitely had more. But when Bourne got it, they were just harassed. I, I don't think there was a piece of play where Bourne were able to link up or open up the game. No, Park's pressure was just, you know... Um, amazing, and the big emphasis for Noble Park will be if Roeville do continue to stumble, 
they'll be able to go top if they win this spot. They will, and I, I was really impressed with Noble Park last week. I just thought they were simply outstanding for four quarters. They really, from the outset, you know, dictated terms in the contest. I thought Baldwin were really poor in uh, in a lot of areas, but fundamentally, they were just beaten uh, in the coaches' box. I mean, I thought Noble Park just really out out-coached them, out-thought them, out them. And uh, that's they put that pressure on right from the start. They made made ball and second-guess themselves, make those, you know, just those real turnovers, you know, so simple turnovers, blatant turnovers. Um, they went forward. They, they looked a little bit like they weren't too sure where they were, you know, kicking the ball to. At times, it looked a bit dysfunctional. Uh, the forward line set up. Well, it's a bit of a surprise for Rocket. That forward set up. You know, Tyler Lewis, who's joined us on the podcast before and was special comments on the day, he was interested in the... Obviously, Charlie Haley's probably the premier forward in the comp, but he played deep more often than Jordan Lyle. But And Jared you and Josh, you feel free to jump in, but the attributes of each player would lend yourself to maybe Haley playing up the ground and Lyle playing deeper, was it? Or do you think it was maybe more that they were worried about Ryan Morrison? I think it was probably... The Ryan Morrison factor, yeah, really. You, you don't want him being the sweeper, but Morrison cleaned up. He was clearly best on the ground. He had 35 touches. I think Lyle would. I think Lyle beat him in the first contest. There was sort of a low ball where he kept his feet, and other than that, Ryan Morrison absolutely towed him up. Well, so, he's had a sensational year, and he hasn't lost a, a battle yet. Yeah, look, he's clearly the best one going around, uh, defending going around. And I think the thing about Noble Park, we just admire the, the way that they play. They defensively, they're really sound through the midfield. They're very strong, and then in turn up forward, they're, they're kicking scores and they're and they're winning by good margins and, and getting good even contribution across the board when they kick those goals. So I think you know, great to see a guy like Shane Allen you know, play such an important role in a milestone game too. I know he did a lot of media throughout the course of the week and it's probably he was a, bit, bit, he was a bit tired of it. A bit tired, but uh, he has to get the recognition because he he played an outstanding game and has and still, and been still an outstanding player. For he them. and Ziggy still moving pretty well in, in their mid thirties, but yeah. Uh, Jared, on this one, so we know Noble are going to bring the pressure. We know that, you know, Morrison plays that Stephen May role. It's yep. a very easy comparison to make. They're both well-built left-footers who play the last line of defence, but it is literally, it literally plays that Stephen May role. Um, their midfield strength is immense. With Now with Martin and Sketcher back in. Well, Sketcher um, looks like he may miss, miss this again. game because of uh, the flu. The so it uh, looks four, like he's going to be out. But yeah, that, that's, that's a blow. That is a blow because I'm with Ray Baird a little bit in by the fact that um, he was Martin... Look, Martin's impact, you cannot doubt it. He was he was massive on last Saturday. Like he, he, Some of the kicks Martin can pull off into the middle and, and break the game open are massive. But in terms of Sketcher, Sketcher gets the ball and his pace and ability to just burst through a pack is unrivaled. So he's just as important. But Horton Milne now with those two back can sort of play that more, you know, Greenwood role, the engine. Yep, yep. Um, and they've got some really exciting players. But South Croydon themselves have a pretty strong midfield. And the one area that they probably have the superiority is Max King. He's probably the yep. best ruck. You know, there's Zach Clark and Jake Spencer. But Max King is, is you know, they're three guys that have been on AFL list. So yeah. that might be the one area that maybe with Kilpatrick and Dano King and Jordan Williams and Jordan Walker at the feet, that Max King might give them an edge. Because well, Kieran, Byers, Kieran Byers and yeah, Jack Kier- Beach, Jack... Uh, sorry, Jared, were impressive, but they're not they're not Max King. No, exactly. I, I was impressed with Kieran Byers' game. Uh, oh, he was good. The he glove. was fantastic. Yeah, at the glove. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was always good to see that come out. Um, but look, to be honest, uh, I agree. Uh, you know, giving you know South Croydon getting first use of the ball from uh, and Doncaster. Sorry, very, cutting. Doncaster yeah. did beat no, and they've got Zach Clark. So and, yeah, exactly. So that, that might be, be that way. might be the one area. It might be indeed, but I feel like uh, Noble Park's pressure 
that they put on Baldwin, if they're able to find that sort of pressure, oh. you know, being able to uh, stifle South Croydon's possession game out of the middle, that'll be uh, that'll be their key, I think. And like once that pressure is on. It's going to take sort of like uh, – it's going to be Morrison, you know, yeah. South feasting Co- on those Yeah, because South are a burst, a burst team. On Anzac yeah. Day, they impressed me that in like five minutes, they can kick five goals. Yeah, they score but, very quickly, yeah. don't they? And they just have that capacity to move the ball very quickly and turn a game very you know, abruptly yeah. and make sure that but they – But I don't think – but that's – but against Noble, I don't think you can rely on burst play because Noble, they, they're consistent throughout the day. The only time they faltered last week was probably in the last quarter when I think they were obsessed, as was I, with getting <laughs> Shane Allen another goal. Yeah. And they let ball and have – have a couple of chances to close the gap. I don't think they're ever going to lose, but no. there was that little interest. So we'll, we'll get our tips on this one. I know you didn't get a word on that one, Josh, but what, yeah. what are your thoughts? South Croydon or Noble? Uh, it's at Cheong, but Noble were pretty it, impressive. It is an interesting game. They, yeah, they won't be intimidated by playing at Cheong Park. I, I, I wonder if they'll if they'll even enjoy it as well. I'm, I'm going to back Noble because they've got... Yeah, South Croydon might win that midfield battle, but they've got plenty of talent along every line. I think... South Croydon are too heavily reliant on James Wilson up forward. They've got plenty of other forwards, but they're just a little too reliant on James Wilson up forward. Noble Park have a couple more options, so I just think it'll be the Bulls who get the win here. Jared? Um, For me, we've seen teams get a hold of South Croydon and score against them heavily uh, too often during this season. They they concede an average of 81 points uh, per game, which is rather large for a team in third. Um, it's only lower than Doncaster and North Ringwood. So I think, uh, you know, given that, sure, Noble Park, they're a, a more sort of like defensive, consistent and sort of midfield-based uh, side. I still think that that uh, defensive lack uh, down at uh, South Croydon's, um, you know, uh, defensive end, that might see them struggle in this one. Uh, and I'd say Noble Park's going to take this. Spider? Yeah, I'm leaning towards uh, Noble Park, Matty. I, I just got the sense that we're seeing some good things from Noble in the last few weeks. They're getting a lot of momentum, getting a good spread of goal kickers. I think defensively, as I've mentioned, they're, they're very sound through the midfield. They're getting good contribution from a number of their, you know, their key stars. And got to, what you've got to also consider is that, yes, Sketcher is out, you know, out of the team potentially for this match with the flu, but also they're getting some players back from from Frankston, who have been playing in the VFL as well. So they'll... they'll they had they'll, some good players running around in the reserves last week. So, so they've got good depth. Just got a feeling that they're, they're using the ball a little bit better than what Seth Croydon are currently at the moment. It's a big game for them. I know they haven't played at home all season. They'll be chomping at the bit to do that, and they'll want to put in a really good performance. But I'm really admiring the way that uh, Noble Park have been playing in the first half of the season. I, I think they have uh, a team really to watch. And these, these two teams will be there at the pointy end. So uh, I, I think uh, this is, could go either way, pretty much a last kick of the day sort of scenario. But I'll lean towards Noble Park uh, to get over the line. I'll be pretty succinct. I'm going to go South Croydon just to sort of make sure that we're not all on the same page. But I do agree with Spot. I think it's going to be a very exciting game. And it could be a, a, a final... Not sure which final, but I think it will be a final preview. I think these two teams will eventually meet again. Prelim or a grand final preview. I think one of those two. Yeah, it depends on where they obviously all finish. We'll have to do that maths later in the year. Uh, the other game in Premier Division we want to talk about in some detail is Doncaster East and Baldwin. Um, I think this is another big moment for Doncaster East fans. Obviously, now they're probably on, they're probably in the same bracket as Baldwin. But when they came into the division, Josh, this would have been along with Vermont, Noble Park, and. And Baldwin, they were the three games they you know they wanted to take it up to the the old dogs of this division, um, and now they've got a Baldwin team who will be. It's a it's hard. To, is it a good time to get them because they're not playing their best footy, yeah. or is it a bad time to get them because they're, they're bound to click and they'll be pretty annoyed um, at their effort, especially in that first half against Noble? Because after half time they won the game, 
Uh, also, they, they won the two quarters. Um, but a worry for me is we've spoken about Ryan Morrison. Simon White is just as good. Um, probably different attributes. He's probably yeah. a bit more of an intercept marker than Morrison. Mm. Could he play a similar role on Jordan Lyle and, and Hurt Baldwin? Uh, I, I doubt he'd probably... He, he could potentially, but I doubt... You know, that's he probably won't be playing that role. He'll be he'll be playing that interceptor role. But it's not doesn't seem like there's too many other options down back for Doncaster East to take on both Lyle and and Haley. So, but you know, they they might not have the options. But Doncaster East have as many options up forward as well. You know, with Sam Rowe and Dilly, Dylan Ollie, I think it'll come down. To, to the midfield battle, I was I was I did catch the replay of the No Park Bourne match, and I was impressed with with you know how Bourne's midfield uh, Bourne's midfield Nathan Oakes in particular. I thought he had a good game. He needs to step up here again. You know, Sean Cross has been terrific all these years, but it's up it's a tough midfield they'll be facing Chris Field and Zach Clark, Josh DeLuca. So many good names in there, but yes, I think it is the right time for. Donny East to, to strike against Baldwin. They face them later in the year at Baldwin Park as well. So yep. it is, I think now is the time for them given, you know, they'd be down a little bit on confidence after that. Context uh, to this one as well, Jared. We've been talking, about, I've been talking a lot about context and <laughs> juxtaposition today, but both teams are on 20 points, five wins. Um, Norwood play North Ring, and as we've mentioned, Blackburn play Vermont. So let's say Blackburn win and then Norwood will win. A loss here means that they'll be all of a sudden, a bit in danger. Those the, the loser will be in danger of falling out when a fortnight ago we sort of thought the top six was locked in. So does that add a bit more pressure, especially on Baldwin, given Doncaster East have less expectation? Yeah, I think um, uh, I somewhat agree with that. Uh, however, I think Doncaster East will be bigging themselves up quite a bit as well. Uh, so the, the pressure might uh, get to them also. But they do have you know, fewer more of those AFL, <laughs> ex-AFL players who might sort of you know, th- that inherent experience might lend to a certain uh, relaxation, not relaxation, but sort of like uh, being used to that sort of pressure, I guess. So I think you're right in terms of ball and perhaps not being as, uh, you know, uh, being a bit more under pressure as, as Doncaster East uh, might be. Uh, so the question for me is, uh, will Chris Pendlebury be playing after oh, that? The injury? way he came yeah. off, I don't know if the teams are up yet. Teams Josh. are up. Chris Pendlebury is, in, is listed on... He's okay. listed? Okay, yeah, that's good news because yeah. he, he was pretty proper on that ankle last week. I've, it could have just been a rolled ankle. They were obviously quite yeah. quick to get over. Yeah. Uh, Spider, who are you tipping, mate? Give me... Give me I'm uh, tipping Doncaster East in this game. I, yeah. I really just think that... Bourne have got a couple of things that they need to address. They need a response, first of all, after the effort last week. They really need to, to bounce back. Just got a bit of a feeling through the midfield that Doncaster S will really go to work on them. I, I've been really impressed with the way that they've played through the midfield in the first part of the season. I think players like you know, Fionn, who's uh, been playing some really good footy, uh, we know what damage Clark does in the ruck, and I think he'll be ultimately could be the difference in this match. You know, if he gets that early ascendance in that dominance, then they can really set themselves up for a big afternoon. And then when they go forward, uh, you know, you, you've got a little bit of experience then. You've got guys like, uh, you know, Ollie and we've got, and they've got Rowe and, and players like that that are, that are getting their first hands on the footy. I think they're uh, they're well served to put uh, the ball and defence under a lot of pressure. And, you know, I'm not sure if the, the depth factor is going to come into so, it. So you've I've got... got a bit of a feeling about Donny East. Uh, they might just get over the line by a couple of goals. So you've got Donny East. What are you two 
I'm yeah, leaning towards Donny okay, I'm going to go yeah. Baldwin because I'm sticking to my mantra that Baldwin uh, are the best team in it and I've yeah. got to keep tipping them despite them losing. I don't know. It's not the same Baldwin that we saw against Blackburn like quite yeah, a while ago. Yeah, but I think it'll click. I think it'll yeah. click. They didn't like that. Zagari's back in this week. Yeah. I think I noticed, you know, but Schreiber's not playing. Yep. Um, you know, I don't know if Jeff Goebbels is a year thing. He was in a moon boot last week, you know, mm. so that's not good signs. But look, that, that I still think, I think they can click. They, there was periods last week where they, like, like I said, second half, they, they did actually win the second half. So, yep. and like I said, I've said this on this podcast. So I just have to keep tipping in now. I've, I've, I've nailed, I've nailed my colours to the mask. Sort of things into account, winning second halves, and just those little wins. You know, guys. They'll like be fired up this week. Alex Herman, who's had a good year, all that sort of stuff. That all come into it. But I've just got a bit of a feeling, Donny East. There's so much on the line for them. They'll want to bounce back after oh, yeah, what yeah. was a. I, I a think I can see the um, before the break. I can see the logic being that Donny East are the favourites. Like if I was. It's just that, I've, as I've said, it's a bit of a running thing now that I'm just going to keep tipping more. But if I'm Rodney Ian, I'm probably expecting more from Jordan Lyle. Like, he was the boom recruit two years ago. I don't think he's quite... He's had good games, but he hasn't got on that tear yet. And I think they need to get... They need to get that... I know he's not. I know he's left the VFL because he's, you know, he's, you know, there's probably more commitments in his life. And, you know, he can't, he can't hold himself to those standards that he had when he was dominating the VFL. But... If they're going to win it, they need him to step up now with no goals. They can't rely on Haley because, you know, James Ross went to Haley against Vermont and tied him up. Josh Tua did a really good job last week. Sides are yeah. going to start going, you know what, we don't actually need to put our full back on, on, on Lyle or Goebbels anymore. It's just Haley. But we've got to move on, Spider, because we've got to have a discussion about this game for ages, but we're already ticking along here. Uh, the last three games, just one word tips, please, gents. Donnie and Park Orchards, uh, both sides coming off. Really big wins, obviously, Park Orchards over Donnie East and, and Doncaster over Roeville. It's defence versus attack. Who's going to win, Josh? Uh, Park Orchards for me. Jared? Park Orchards. Spider? Yeah, Park Orchards. I think they're going to get the win. Yeah, that was five words. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Berwick and Roeville, this is a danger game, Spire, because Berwick are better than their ladder position suggests, but Roeville, they'll have had a week to sit and ponder that lost to Doncaster, I'm, uh, I'm tipping them to bounce back. Yeah, I think Wisey would have been uh, pretty disappointed losing a game. He probably would have kicked the dog. And, uh, yeah, and well, we hope uh, not. We don't, we don't, advocate, we don't advocate, 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 advocate animal things, abuse yet. He would have been... He would have been disappointed with, you know, not to, to go into the break uh, undefeated. But I think he'll regather that momentum and I think they'll be able to chalk up a pretty comfortable win. But I think Berwick, some good signs for him going into the second half of the year. Yeah, I don't mind Berwick, but uh, I've got to tap to Revel in this one. Josh? Yeah, I'm going to back Roval to get yeah, the win here. I'm, I'm, I'm Roval as well. And, and just before that, I'm Park Orchards as well. I forgot to tip. Yep. Uh, Norwood, North Ringwood, I think we're all going to go Norwood. Yep. yep. Yeah, Norwood there. Yep, Norwood. So a good chance for Norwood to get back within touching distance, get some more percentage, but they're going to have to to roll South Croydon or or, or someone like that uh, soon when they when they play them again. Donny East as well uh, into Division One. So we'll start with the games that we think are going to be wrapped up. So Murubak Mitchum is our match of the round. So we won't spend too much time on that one. We'll talk about that tomorrow in the pregame. But it's hard to tip against Murubak because they're ten and zero and they're absolutely flying. They're they're pretty much smacking everyone. So we do think Mitchum will get closer though because of the Parentian level combination is, is hard to match up on. Um, well, it's but, a good chance to be competitive away from home, I think, for Mitchell. Well, and last time they played there, I think it was the last game of last year that before he got called off. I'm pretty sure Mitchum lost by a point to, to a Murabuck side. So they've got good form playing out there, but it'd be interesting to see. Uh, East Ringle Montrose, I was on the Montrose bandwagon for a couple of weeks. I actually tipped them to win last week. I thought I had a hunch. My hunch was wrong. Uh, I think East Ringwood, you know, I just I don't know what to make of Montrose. East Ringwood will win that one. And then Bayswater up a gully. Bayswater should win that one. I assume we're all nodding yeah. along in yeah, unison. Yeah, East Ringwood pretty comfortably over Montrose. Bayswater, Bayswater are looking, Josh, probably get some percentage because they're, they're even with Lourdes, one turn to south in that, on that three wins. 
and then obviously Beaconsfield and Montrose are on four. But if they can get, obviously they'll get the win we expect. But if they can build some percentage, that because that will probably decide fifth spot. Yeah, I won't be. Yeah, they heading to this as hot favourites, and they won't mind it being out on their home deck as well. But just on that East Ringwood Montrose game as well, I think I can see it going two ways. A potential Montrose upset. I won't be surprised if Montrose upset, but it's more likely going to be a thumping because yeah, they're going to be. Not in the greatest. So you conditions. can't see you can't see a close East Ringwood win. You can only see a Montrose, a Montrose, a Montrose upset or an East Ringwood pumping or an East Ringwood pumping. That's always yeah, no, how I, these rebounds. I'm on the East Ringwood pumping. I've just I've absolutely fallen out of love with Montrose. I'm down, was, the, I'm down the middle with that one. This, I think this will be one of those games where Montrose absolutely turn it on and then lose by under a goal or something like that. You'd hate you'd hate <laughs> you'd to hate, you'd hate yeah. to be a team that turns it on and lose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's that's the quality of East Ringwood though. Uh, I think they're the sort of team yeah, that yeah, are yeah. able to hold uh, to be other teams. Fair, well, East Ringwood don't really pump teams. They yeah. just sort of keep teams But it's an attitude thing too with East Stringer. If they come with the full intent to play four quarters of footy, they could really win. Big. Yeah, but I think they're goals. doing that professional thing where they kill the game by half time and then and then Ben Osborne will make sure that everyone manages through. Because there are a few older bodies. Cherney, Donnell's, I don't know how often he's been playing, but the Farmer boys are, are older than younger, so they, they are resting a few of those bodies. But the two games that are of some sort of note is... Mm-hmm. Pretty much because their battles for that sort of fourth at fourth and fifth spot because fourth spot is now up for grabs as yeah. well um, and even third Mitchum's only on twenty four points but only so many teams can can fit into the five so let's assume Mitchum are going to be fine and they've proven well they they've earned the right to say they're going to be fine Croydon have lost what is it four of their last five or something like that three they, in a row three in a row so they're now just on twenty points they're only a game ahead of Montrose and Beaconsfield obviously they've got a game in hand on Montrose um, and. They're now in that sort of that struggle with those other teams that are all the way down to ninth. Um, so Ludlow hosts Croydon in round one. Croydon obviously hosted Ludlow had way more scoring shots and lost by under a goal. Um, Ludlow have found form since then, and as Jared mentioned, Croydon have completely lost it. Um, I'm sure they would have enjoyed the buy because they just need to refresh. And then the other game is Montana South Beaconsfield because in round one we all pretty bullish on Beaconsfield except for Jared, um, <laughs> and and since then Beaky have sort of. They've showed signs that they're starting to get some momentum together. A last quarter comeback against Lourdes had now sees them in fifth because of Montrose's big loss on Queen's birthday. That without actually doing anything, Beaconsfield moved up the ladder over the weekend into fifth spot. Um, and then for Montrose to South, it's a big month for them because they've got Montrose next. Um, they've got Mitchum and Croydon in this sort of next month month or so. If they can win here and grab two or, two of those three, one is South will put themselves in a good position too. So they're two really big games for the the makeup of this season, aren't they, Spider? Yeah, it is. And look, one turn to South, they've gone through a tough uh, period just before the break and they really need to, to get back on the winner's list and I'm sure Steve Cochran's doing everything he can. He's prepared to play some kids and he has played those young players from their under-19s and I think that's a really good sign for the future. I think that they haven't been afraid to, to blood some of that depth and uh, those develop some of those players for the future. So that's some good signs. But I think where they're really falling down fundamentally is they're just not getting consistent performances, you know, from you know, defensively, but also through the midfield. They're just having their times where they you know, other teams are really taking the blowtorch to them. So they've got some they've got some issues they need to address in the particularly this game against Beaconsfield who will be really coming after them. They'll they'll really give themselves a really good chance in this game. Important game for them. Got a bit of an eight point game for them as well, just to to really set them on, on their way. But uh, Well if if they win yeah. it, you would they're basically they've moved. They're basically pushed one tennis south two games behind them, and not That's out right. of the race. But they've they've cast aside one team, and then if Croydon beat Lourdes, Josh, that means one all of a sudden Beaconsfield have 
move clear of two teams, and they'll only really have to worry about Bayswater and Montrose. Yeah, but the thing is about Croydon and Lilydale, I, I, I'm doubt. I, I've got my doubts for Croydon because yeah, they've yeah. I would ha- I would have Lilydale favourites. Oh, have Lilydale. Yeah, at the LSO too, and great. Know, they've had they've had well. It was pretty much just a, a from all reports, it's just a last quarter fade out that lost. Yeah, them they the were three goals up at three quarter time. They were the one score we kept waiting on because unfortunately they weren't doing it by the usual channels. And Facebook updates, as as a communications professional, Facebook is the worst one for constant updates. Use Twitter or use Instagram stories or use something to consistently update us because I kept refreshing that for an hour because they clearly <laughs> lost and whoever's running the socials forgot to put the full-time score up and it wasn't until Beaconsfield drove 45 minutes home and finally tweeted that they'd won that we figured out that they had won. But yeah, Ludo are playing better footy than Croydon at the moment, Josh. Yeah, and I think yeah, it's it all come down to, again, the forward line. You know, Lilydale have, have multiple options, you know. Uh, ju- Bo Michener started to kick goals. He's kicked double digits this year. John Jaworski's kicked 18 goals this year. McCauley Beckwith has come into the side and kicked goals. Croyne, and not don't... enough. And not enough McCauleys in footy, are there? No, and not, True. definitely not. But <laughs> we, we need more McCauleys. <laughs> um, What's but... Macaulay Culkin doing this? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I don't think he's in the <laughs> condition <laughs> to play footy. But Croyne as well, they they don't have that many scoring options as well. No, so I think Riley Britton's leading their goal kicking or close to. Uh, yeah. And then you've got Constantino, Troy Broussard, who's been kicking about a goal a game, which is really good. He's getting the most out of himself. But, Jared, let's get, let's get into some tips for this division. Yep. Um, I assume we're all tipping Moorabark? Yep. Yes, yep. yep. I assume we're all, we've already said we're all tipping East Ringwood and Bayswater, although Josh has got some sort of Suspicion. I don't know what he was sort of saying. He was sort of flipping a coin but not flipping a coin, but I think we're all tipping <laughs> East Ringwood. So these two games, Lourdes and Croyd, where are you leaning? My heart and my head are starting to say Lillardale in this one. I'm falling yep. off. I'm falling out of love with Croydon. Yep. And the other one, I've been big on Beaconsfield, so I'm going to stick with them. That's fair. Um, so Lillardale Croydon is the tale of like two different sides with such different profiles. You know, I, I look at Croydon and their results and uh, and their game against Beaconsfield, and they look very dour. You know, they look very sort They're of built off defence. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which is like it can be an attractive style of footy. Um, well, no, if you start I, I winning, think, I think it's attractive to the coaches. Attractive, to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> attractive to the coaches and attractive to you know the supporters for sure. Um, but like with Lilydale, on the other hand, it's a young team. There's a lot of excitement. Uh, I keep going back to that uh, that win against Montrose. The the excitement that they produced uh, upon winning that was yeah, uh, it, it was great to see. Uh, and I think you know names like Clawson and DePace. Um, Beckwith, Jaworski, obviously, you know, they're up-and-comers. Their team, the names that are becoming a little more household now in, in Division 1, we're talking about them more. They're, uh, you know, they're, they're making their mark, essentially. And so I think just this, uh, the, there's a lot more excitement around Lilydale uh, at the moment than, than there is around Croydon. Uh, I can imagine that Croydon, you know, three wins, uh, the bye would be a refresher for them, which is nice, but the, sorry, three losses, I should say. The bye would be a refresher for them, but uh, I can't imagine that it would be the same sort of energy as Lilydale, Lilydale are producing. So I would say I have to go with Lilydale at home on that one. Spider? Very hard one to tip. I must admit, uh, you could argue for both, but I just get a bit of a feeling that Lilydale at home might get the job done. Croydon, it really concerned me at the moment, just their lack of scoring power and the reliance on Britain and, and things like that. And just through the midfield, it seems to be very hard work for them at the moment. I, th- I think Lillard have got a lot of exciting prospects. You know, as we've just discussed, got a feeling that they'll get over the line. We're up around about 10 points. I think this could be a, a real arm wrestle right throughout the afternoon. 
Absolutely. And then, so, so like I said, I think I'm going to go with Lord Allen Beaconsfield, mm. which means that Beaconsfield will be clear in, clear in fifth, possibly fourth on percentage, and, yep. and Lourdes would close in on Montrose. And, yeah, it's it's an exciting Division One race at the moment. Yes, Josh? I haven't done my tips yet. Oh, haven't you? Sorry, <laughs> mate. I'm, you know, I'm just, there's so much going on. It's, um, it's just too many good games. Too, too many great games indeed. I, I'm backing Lilydale to get the win at the LSO. I think I reckon it could be a comfortable win for Lilydale. Croydon, I don't. I don't think they do comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this could be the opportunity for them to, you know, to stamp to make their mark and push up into that top five. I think Beaconsfield as well over one Turner South. That they're, they're just playing. The you know, I liked you for a reason, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, very interesting. So that's uh, Premier Division 1 wrapped up. We've done, what was it, 5 out of 12 games or whatever it was. There's so many good games uh, this week. We're going to come back with uh, Division 2 and half of Division 3 because Division 3 is literally the most enthralling round I've ever seen. There is so much on every game. Uh, so we'll go to a break and we'll be back with you then. Eastland's new sporting precinct, the Circuit, has arrived. Race into the Circuit for customised kicks, giveaways, streetwear, new stores and more. Visit eastland.com.au for more details. Joel wheels around onto his left, goes long inside 50, coming down just about half forward through the hands, going inside 50. They've got to try and get their hands on this fin. Welcome back to the Deakin University weekend forecast. Uh, back in your ears after a, uh, a bye last weekend for Queen's birthday. Jumping in now to Division 2 and half of Division 3, as I mentioned before the break there, Division 3 is a bump around, so we couldn't leave any games behind, and obviously we've done Premier Division and Division 1. Uh, Heath Monaghan South of Belgrave, Jared, straight to your heart, mate. Uh, let's get into it. Uh, the Jets got a win over Templestowe right before the bye, and it, it sort of it's given them a shot in the arm because if they'd lost that one, the season would have been over. Um, they're still, you know, they're only what is it half a game technically, or maybe a game and a half actually. Um, yeah, I'm not think quite so. sure. I, I think, think that's hard, it. Out, out of fifth. Yep. Um, but it's a massive game for them because their next month is South Belgrave. Uh, I think they've got the base in the week after, then Ringwood and then Mulgrave. So they've pretty much got the top four. Um, obviously, the base and art in that top four at the moment, but they're, they're, we think they're going to be pretty good come once the cookie crumbles. Mm. So it's a it's a big sort of period for Heathmont. And, and luckily, they had that, like I said, that injection of confidence before the break to give them some confidence. Um, but they're taking the best side of the comp. So it, it's, it's pretty hard um, to see if they can get back-to-back wins. But the two sides that have gotten close slash beaten, uh, South Belgrave have been sides with really good um, Ruckman mm. who can match Mitch Garner and also really good midfields that can match the likes of uh, Black, Aiden Kidd and, yep. and so on. Yep. Um, can you give Heathmont any chance, mate? Um, well, just quickly, they, they are that half game outside of they the are, five. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. uh, you've got um, Baronia and, and the Basin both on four and a half wins. Uh, so, look... <laughs> I don't know how prepared Heathmont will be to take on South Belgrave given the amount of injuries that they've had throughout the year. They're starting to get them back and also starting to find some, you know, replacements. You know, we saw Ethan win. He was uh, he was really good uh, against Baronia. He's someone that stepped up uh, really well, uh, even in such a such a loss there. Uh, obviously, they're down Ambrose. Um, James Rippingale is, uh, you, you know, he's been in and out. I think with uh, injury and he's stepped up again. He'll he was. He's listed for this game and played really well in his last game uh, against uh, Templestowe. Kicked three goals there. Finn Brown is always going to be important. There was a lot of uh, 
uh, a lot of weight put on him, uh, especially during the well, he, he Campbell game. Campbell Evans, I don't know about the teams. Josh is always our resident yeah. uh, refresher of the teams, but he and Campbell Evans will will play a big role if they're Absolutely. in the gate. Uh, Mitch Garner, won't they? Yeah, but I think the question for me comes down back uh, because well, obviously the talking point for South Belgrave is always going to be the amount of high potential goal scorers that they have down there. And no, Murphy Ambrose is going to be a big loss, uh, as as he has been. For yeah, the past who, few who are the Jets? So Harry Isaacs is probably the man that's going to take one of them, but I don't know yep. they, I don't know if they've got enough height down Rob, there. Rob Savory will be... Rob Savory, yeah. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good uh, match-up there. So, th- look, they've got match-ups, but whether they're on the level of Smith yeah. and Taylor Garner's probably, and, and Damien Garner's probably... They're going to have to play the out of their skins. Yeah, so... Yeah. And and what what do you what do you think? Do you, are you giving them a chance? I think that their only way of winning is somehow Finn Brown and Campbell Evans win the ruck battle, mm. and Ryan Burley, Jordan Haynes, and Co. Yep. And even do you throw Joel Burley in there as well and just go? You can put all your chips in the midfield and try to win the game there. Yep. Um, is is that their only chance? Potentially, I think. Uh Joel Burley is a fairly solid uh, option for the midfield just because his disposal is yeah, sort of fact, like on another can, level. If he can get the ball around the centre circles, yep. it's a better chance of him scoring than yep. if he's got it in the back pocket. Exactly. And uh, Nelson Lane is a, is a um, is coming back. That's from, good. Uh, yeah. So, uh, again, their players back. They did say yeah. they had a lot of injuries. So, yes. Yeah, so, exactly. that's good to hear. So, anyway, back to my original question. Can they win it? I think I can give them a chance, especially at H.E. Parker, but my my tip will have to go with South Belgrave, okay. I'm afraid, because uh, it, it's it's so it, yeah. It would, it yeah, would seem no, no, you, don't, you yeah. don't have to you don't have to show working you don't have to show working out to tip South Belgrave. All right, Spider, your Fair. game that we're going to talk about, Baronia and Mulgrave. So this is a big game for both sides, much like Heathmont and South Belgrave. Obviously, South Belgrave have got a bit more breathing room, and for Heathmont. There's no expectation. But Bronia and Mulgrave, round one, Bronia, comfortable win. We all thought Mulgrave are going to be a pretty plucky team, finish about seventh or eighth. Bronia are going to be a finals contender. Now we come into it, Mulgrave, uh, a game or half a game ahead of Bronia. They're in fourth spot. Um, they lost to the base in, in the final round before the bye has really hurt their momentum. But they won five in a row. They're the only team to beat South Belgrave. Um, a win here for Mulgrave will likely push Bronia um, well, out of the five, uh, you know, or, or they'll be holding on for dear life, and it will pretty much give Mulgrave a breathing, uh, some room inside the five. And then you look at Bronia, who now with Mitch Malice dominating, I think he had forty nine touches in his last game. Yeah. Um, if they, and they went close to, to beating South Belgrave, if they can get the win, they can overtake Mulgrave and start closing in on the likes of East Bill and Ringwood. It's it's a really big game for both these sides. Yeah, big question for Baronia whether they can start putting some wins together and and wins at home too because uh, they've really struggled to to be. Uh, well, they lost to Templestowe, East Bill as well. At home, Baronia yeah. at home. Uh, they yeah. only they beat Knox by twenty points. So yeah, you're right. They haven't been their best win was obviously the Heathmont win, and that was at H. E. Parker. Yeah. So their, their wins uh, have, have been very few and far between. So look, home ground has been a bit of an issue for them. I, I've just got a feeling that Mulgrave uh, are really primed uh, to win this game. I, I think their performances before the break were were really impressive. Yes, they they had a downer against uh, you know, the, the Basin, but uh, I think a lot of teams have uh, copped that fate at, at times uh, during the season so far. Yeah, I've caught them on the, at, particularly at the base, and so look, I've really 
in, um, been impressed with some of the way that the Bulgar have played throughout the course of the season so far. Their their ball movement, their their experienced players like Booth who continue to get continue to strive to get better. So I think they've got a lot to offer at the second part of the year. They're they're in that fourth position at the moment, as you alluded to, and I, I think they really can cement that spot. And I think they'll do that by beating Baronia. I think they can do it by pretty comfortable by about five or six goals. Which still... would be which would be about an eighty point turnaround because they lost by fifty points in round one, and that, and yeah. that just shows how how good a job Ryan Webster's done because I don't think Baronia have gone backwards since round one. They've probably improved slightly. Obviously, Malice is putting, as I mentioned, some consistent footy. The Hannon brothers have been good. They've got Fletcher Duke, Ryan White. Mm-hmm. So it just shows how how much Mulgrave have improved. You know, I think that, that's exactly right. I think the improvement has been steady week by week, whereas Baronia, just the performances have fluctuated too much and there's probably been too much reliance on, on the Malice uh, boys because they've been such a good players for them and, and Hannon as well he's, he's played some good games when, but when they haven't won those players have tended to go missing a little bit so big challenge for Baronia at home whether they can uh, get the win but get a feeling that uh, Mulgrave will win this game and originally see kind of Tilly out of Mitch Mallow similar ages pretty sure they both came through Eastern Rangers at similar yeah, they times did, yep. that'll be a great match up because Tilly's having a spectacular year as well. Gavisoni, Jack Davidson are in that midfield. So it'll be it'll be a midfield battle um, and then Booth and Robertson at, at the bookend. So, uh, yeah, it, it shapes up as a really interesting game and, and I, I'm, I'm big Mulgrave. I'm pretty bullish on Mulgrave, so I'm excited about them. Josh, Ringwood in the Basin. This is your game to sort of to deep dive with me about. Um, we saw that one in round one. The Basin deserved to win. They were three goals up with about 10 minutes to go in the pissing rain and then can, uh, somehow concocted a way to lose it through discipline and some clearances and, and Ringwood's just innate ability to win. Um, so now we look back at it and think if they'd won that game, they might well be – they'd probably – well, if they'd won that game, they'd be sitting in fourth and we'd be thinking they've done pretty well. They haven't clicked yet and they're still in the finals. So we probably shouldn't, you know, be too chaotic on them. Um, and they're obviously coming off a really strong win against Mulgrave. Uh, but they're playing a Ringwood side who were un- not unlucky to lose to East Bill, but they had all the momentum. If it had gone for another minute and a half, they probably would have pinched the win um, and they had their chances. And then also the fact that I think Jordanov's back in, Tim Jones is back in. There's a few names in back into that Ringwood side, so they're getting closer to full strength. It's a pretty big game for the Basin, but also a good chance for Ringwood to, to maybe get back to their best footy. And it's a big chance for the Basin to prove what uh, that that they do play better on the bigger grounds. They, they play Butter and Reserve really well, but they always keep saying that they play the bigger grounds better, and there's none bigger, I reckon, than Jubilee Park. And yeah, this is a massive clash. I think it's it's going to be decided in midfield. From from what I saw from that Ringwood East Bird game, there there weren't they Ringwood weren't the greatest in midfield. It was just their rebound game that you know that got them into the contest into the contest. It got them goals and. But, you know, they don't have too many midfielders to rely on, whereas the Basin have got plenty of talented midfielders. You know, Nick Hallow, uh, Diane Borvita, uh, who's a very talented one. Jaden G, who, who hasn't had the best season. He started to get back into form recently, but they've got plenty of talent in, in midfield. And if they can dominate around that area, I think they can. But, yeah, it's um this is a massive test. They'll... They'll definitely want to uh, ring. Ringwood though, like they won't with Jordanov back in, so they'll now have a bit more height with Jordanov, and then Latchford will probably you would assume Latchford would just sort of rest forward as a, as a focal point, and then those mm-hmm. two would swap, and then you Tim Jones was close to best on playing in that back line back in round one. Mitch Burton adds more to that sort of midfield rotation and goals, and Declan Hill's another fine player. So 
in terms of the midfield, I think the bases still have the better midfield in terms of star power, but Ring would have shown their ability like they did against East Bell to sort of just they negate the midfield and then they win the game with their defensive system and, and their array of goal kickers. Yeah, but I just I, I got a feeling as well on this one that Ringwood they might start to struggle against they they've got a very niche full strength side. I reckon this is probably their strongest side, but the basin have, have started to hit form. I don't think I'm not too sure whether they would have liked to have the buy after such a, a an impressive win against Mol against Mulgrave. It's it's usually hard for me to tip against Ringwood, but I, I I'm gonna tip the basin here because you know, they deserve to win in that first round clash and I, I think they'll put up a similar performance and if they do, they'll get the win here. Yeah, it's going to be a really enthralling game. And as you mentioned, so if the Basic can win that, it'll be two in a row. They'll, they'll likely, well, they'll definitely be in the five because Baroni and Mulgrave are playing. Um, and they can build from there because they have Heathmont and they, they can string some wins together. Um, they, they should be fine to come final. So on the other two games in this one, Templestowe and Oakley District, Templestowe will look to try and do what they did back in round one, get some percentage and maintain some sort of touch with, with the top five. If they win that, um, they'll be, you know, a, a game and a bit out, but with some strong percentage and, and they'll still be in the race, albeit a bit behind. And then East Burwood Spider will, will play Knox and obviously in, in round one, Knox didn't get going until half-time um, and, and East Burwood will be buoyed by that really um, strong win over Ringwood um, before the bye, as Josh mentioned. So um, two... Two games where it's pretty easy to tip, I would suggest. Well, you think you'd think so. Just on that Eastbourne Knox scale, I think that Knox will see some more improvement from what they provided in that round one game. I think obviously, you know, in that game they were pretty undermanned, um, and this time around, you know, a few more inclusions with Greaves in that team and you know, Gordon playing pretty good footy. Uh, I think they'll be better served at home, but uh, I think Eastbourne playing good enough footy to to get the win and you know, they continue on their way, but. They'll have, to, they'll have to be careful, though. They... No, yeah, not, not, like I said, they've improved tenfold since since that round one game. It'll be it'll definitely be a tighter game, and, and Knox is a, is a ground where you can't really you can't really get off the chain at Knox. It's quite a heavy track, um, despite being quite open. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll be closer. That's than That's one round you one. don't want to do. You don't want to win a big game like they did against Ringwood, but going into a break and then come back and put in a, a shocker. And, well, that'd be, and that yeah, can happen be... to teams, and especially developing sides with young players who... Well, it's know, the exact same conundrum that the Basin face. I know they're playing Ringwood, but it would be, like Josh mentions, it'd be really sapping if they keep doing this win-loss, win-loss thing uh, because they'll, they'll keep yo-yoing around fifth, and then even if they do sneak into finals, they'll be they'll be stuck at the bottom of the pole and they'll, they'll want double chance. But obviously, it's going to be hard for them to get double chance given East Burwood, Ringwood and South Belgrave have got a pretty clear gap on the yeah, rest of the they competition. They could chance to set themselves up for the second East part of the year. Oh, yeah, so East Burwood win this one, and let's say the Basin do beat Ringwood. Um, all of a sudden, um, East Burwood can't really drop out of the double chance zone, um, which would be massive for a club who have come up the division. All right, let's go into Division 3 now, because this, this is huge. We're only going to do two games before the break. So let's start with the top of the table one, Jared. We'll start with it. Wavy Blues and Warrandyte. Uh, it's the final frontier for Waverley. Uh, you know, they came into this year, and they were sort of they'd sort of notched up all the teams they'd beaten. They hadn't beaten Donvale until we saw them absolutely pummel them, albeit yep. um, slightly hampered by injury. Donvale, um, and now Warrandyte's the only team they they can't they haven't beaten yet. They lost them in round one by half a kick. Um, you know Williamson and Perry. I don't know, Josh. You're our team's man. We'll give you a couple of seconds to find out. Are they if they're both playing to be the first time they've played yeah, together? Williamson and their Perry forward line was already first. super impressive. Yep. And now you know you got Williamson who can play that lead up mercurial forward role. Perry can plan himself fifteen metres out, kick it on his head, sort of stuff. Yep. Um, 
you know, so if they get it down there, they'll score. But Warrandyte find a way of winning these games. They do. Uh, and it's really interesting to look back at the round one clash now because uh, we thought, you know, Warrandyte after last year, they were they only lost two games uh, during season 2021. 20, uh, so they looked like the class team of this division. So it kind of made sense to us, I suppose, that Warrandyte would, would beat Waverly Blues, especially at home. So now we look back at that and it's, the one blemish on the Waverly Blues record uh, and it, an unlikely one at that, given how Warrandyte has uh, ended up uh, performing. You know, they've dropped a couple of games that we didn't expect them to. So we we got to know the Warrandyte defence a little bit in their game against uh, Ferntree Gully, but we, it's hard to say that they were particularly tested uh, in that game, you know, when we went out there to uh, Wally Chu. So I would say that... You know the the likes of um, of Beasley, uh, of uh, Buckley, uh, Poole, and Pollux, and uh, and the lot back there. They're going to be definitely uh, they're definitely going to be challenged given the Waverly Blues. They've already got such a such a storied or a uh, such a well hyped um, forward line, and, and rightfully so. And now, of course, Perry and uh, uh, you know Williamson playing in the Perry same Williamson. Game. Uh, I'm not sure if O'Connell's playing Playstead. Tom Steele should Tom still be reported. Oh. I think he would. I think he definitely got how many weeks? Week. I think he minimum week. I'm not sure. He, he was definitely reported for that hit. Yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, their four and a half is is pretty exciting. But but Spider Warren, we have to appreciate their ability to even when they're not playing their best footy, just win. Yeah, they just seem to get the job done, don't they, Matty? They have that ability just to you know, within themselves just to get over the line and get the victory. So it's going to be a real arm wrestle, I think, for the whole afternoon. And you just get the sense that Warrandyte are just going to go there just to get the win. I don't think points and margins for them mean anything. They're just going to – if they win by one point or ten points, it doesn't really matter. They just want to walk away with the it points. Would have been, so it would have been back in 2019 Warrandyte went to Waverley. Um, so obviously 2020, no season. 2021, the two teams didn't play. And then obviously round one, they met at Warrandyte. So it's been a long time since they've been out to Mount Waverley. Yeah, they've lost their way. They'll probably have to get to Google, well, uh, Google Maps Warrandyte and Waverley, two different uh, ends of the uh, tax bracket. Yeah, so no, a big challenge for them. And it is because their form has fluctuated through that first part of the year. And we, we have questioned... Their form on the field, but in terms of wins, field, they've actually... Yeah. They, obviously, they dropped the game to Coldstream and Scoresby, so Scoresby's the big one to drop. But yeah, but in terms of watching them, they haven't looked that good, but they have managed, like I said, to, to go into the bye in second spot comfortably. Yeah, they've got themselves there, but I think they would acknowledge that they've been flat at times and, and probably haven't provided the, the four-quarter performance as the perfect match that they were, were doing last season. You know, there were games where they were playing complete matches yeah. and, and really dismantling teams. Uh, they weren't really challenged by... Um, Oh, challenged by a couple of teams up near the top. So I think reality is for them, they just need to go and play a real four-quarter performance and, and find a way to get over the line against a high-quality team in Waverly Blues and just get a bit of a feeling that uh, with this sort of finals-type you know, match that they might be able to do it tomorrow. I'll just get a bit of a feeling in Waverly Blues, as well as they're playing, uh, it's going to come down to the conditions. And if they can hit the ground running early, uh, you know, it's going to really set themselves up. But just get a bit of a feeling in a real tight game, Warrandyte might be able to get over the line. It'll be a bit deflating, Josh, and in terms of conditions, perfect tomorrow. 15 degrees sunny, so perfect conditions for footy, which will be music to Waverly Blues ears. But if Waverly are to win this one comfortably, Josh, it'll be a bit deflating, um, for the Division Three sort of premiership race because it would move them not only games clear but visibly clear of their nearest rival. Yeah, but the thing is as well, all their all their contests have 
in the last couple of years have, have been pretty close. You know, they had obviously the three-point game at the start well, they went of to the extra year. time in the um, elimination final of 2019. Yeah, and, you know, they had, I think it was only single-digit margins in 2019 as well and might have been a single-digit not too. Sh- I don't think they played last year. Actually. No, they didn't play so, last yeah, year. So this is this is a massive test for for both Waverley Blues and Moran Diet. I think it is definitely the final frontier for for the Blues. But I think it, it, it's Warren Diet do always find a way to to get the wins here. And I, I, I they've got a great defensive system, Warren Diet. Mm-hmm. So they've got Andrew White. They've got Beasley, Buckley. They've got guys who who yeah. can they defend well. Yes. Yeah, they they yep. yeah they defend well, so that might be the one thing where yeah Waverley like if they can as long as Waverley don't walk it out of the centre, they might be able to get numbers behind the footy and impact that sort of free flowing entries that because like we said Waverley they get a lot of shallow inside fifties. So well, if, you can, actually, if you can actually block up, you almost want to make Waverley kick long because you sort of want to block up that thirty metre zone. You don't want to give them channels to lead into. And Warren Dyke do get players. We saw it French Gallery that day, Jared. They do get players in that position to make teams kick high, which yep. suits the likes of Beasley and White to intercept Mark, so, and then play on a sort of counter-attack. So, mm. yeah, it'll be, be interesting to see, you know, if it's a low-scoring game, Warren Dyke, I think, will enjoy that. But yep. if, if it gets too open, you can't see Waverley not having the scoring power. So mm. uh, let's whip around and see Spiders put his Warren Knight hat in I the have, ring. just because I just think it's going to be that low-scoring yeah. game. I just get a feeling that Warren Knight are going to play and to be it honest, that way. And to be honest, without, you know, I'm sure Waverly Blues people won't like to hear it, but a little bit of me wants Warren Knight to win because it keeps that little bit of jeopardy in terms of the Division Three race. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, if they if they win this one comfortably, Jared, mm-hmm. um, it's it's not, it just makes the division slightly less interesting at the top. Yep, yep. Uh, that but makes perfect sense. Uh, I honestly uh, have to go Waverly Blues with yeah, this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, I, I really um, like do. Like I said, that was the heart speaking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly, and I think with that, um, you know, that dump kick lock that uh, Warren Dyke can force teams to to perform. Waverley Blues just have the options down there anyway. Uh, yeah, I well, think, with Perry yeah, back as well, yeah. the dump kick's actually an option. Yeah. When, when it was just Williamson, the dump kick was maybe a win for the opposition, but with yeah. Perry, it's it's not it's, that it's, big a win. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Josh, um, well, I'm I'm going to back Warren Dyke here. There, uh, I think it'll be a scrap. You've got a hunch. I've got a hunch as well. I love a hunch. Yeah, we all know, we all know that. Um, I just think, yeah, they 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 always find a way. Like I said, to to win these type of games, you know, Waverley Blues, they they do have Matt Perry back and, and Tom Langford's named in their in their side as well, the coach. So, it two pretty handy inclusions. But I just think, yeah, Warren Dyke, they always find a way. I, I hope as well it'll make the. Yeah, the the premiership race interesting, but I, I think I, well, I'm, I'm going to tip Waverley. I think they will win, but a little. I wouldn't be aggrieved if Warren died to win. Not yep. that not. I'm a neutral, of, of course. All games, <laughs> Jared, but Well, we want it to be entertaining. We, we do want it to be entertaining. <laughs> yeah. We need something to talk about. All right, now we we'll go back to now we go down to the bottom of Division Three, Fair Park and Fenshaw Gully. So this was the story of Round One, wasn't it? And nobody really gave Fair Park much hope of avoiding relegation. You know, where were their wins going to come against? Maybe Scoresby, maybe Glen Waverley. That was probably what we. Were we're all thinking. Um, but they started the year with that, obviously, one-point win over French Gully. And to be fair, they're actually up by more. French Gully came home strong, under lights, away uh, against a sort of arch rival. It was it was the perfect storm. Um, but since their first fortnight, they haven't had a win, Fair Park. And, and they sort of, they're running, That you can see that sort of sugar hit is running out. Um, and then French Gully are on the other end of the spectrum, Jared. They sort of couldn't get a win despite getting close and then they got the draw against Coldstream and then rolled Whitehorse before the bye and managed to get over 100 points and it seems like everything's starting to click into gear. So it's a big game for Fair Park because they just need 
They need to win one of these next two where they play Furniture Gully and Glen Waverley. And then for Furniture Gully, if they can win it, they'll most likely jump out of the relegation zone for the first time this year. Yep. I think it's been widely acknowledged that Furniture Gully are a team that are way better than their record, uh, especially when you look at their performance uh, You know, before they hit their inside 50s. And, and now they're starting to actually get some uh, some reward for that effort. You know, It was a high scoring. I think their last game was quite high scoring uh, uh, on their part. Uh, they're starting to find uh, Russo down there. He's been fantastic. Uh, and I think that, uh, there was a Moore, a player called Moore, that um, I haven't got in my notes at the moment, but yeah, that, that one rings a bell, who kicked a couple of goals as well. So they're really starting to find the options for Entry Gully, and that's when it all starts to gel together because their defense, their midfield, both were pretty sound uh, You know, even against uh, a team like Warrandyte, who you know we're, we're talking up that could potentially topple the Waverly Blues. Um, this week, so it's not as if Fentry Gully are way out of it. Uh, and Fair Park, uh, on the other hand, they, um, yeah, it's it's as you said, the sugar hit's starting to run out a little bit, which well, is which it, is it has run out. So the yeah. buy would have come at a pretty good time for them, Josh mm. Fair Park, but they, they, the, the, there's just a lot of pressure. Well, for both sides, there's a lot of pressure on this um this next sort of three weeks because I think they both play Glen Waverley. Um, so they'll, they'll need, both of them will be looking to bank two wins again. But for Fair Park, it's at home, so they'll be trying to get a bit of that sort of mm-hmm. local rival at home. But do you give them much hope here? Because French Gully are the in form at the moment. Uh, I do give them a little bit of hope. You know, French Gully, yeah, they fit form. And I don't, th- I don't think they would have liked the buy French Gully because, you know, they, they started to hit that form, gone the draw against the Coldstream, up in Coldstream too. They'd gone the win against Whitehorse too. Mind you, they've always had their number on them in recent years, but that was still a massive confidence booster. But, you know, Fair Park, I think they'll de- – I still – I give them a chance here just because, you know, they'll be confident. Last time they they picked up the against Ferntree Gully, they picked up the win and that was away. And I just think that'll give them confidence. They'll be refreshed and, and raring to go, I reckon, after – after the buy, and I think, yeah, I, I reckon they can get the win here. I'm going to actually tip tip now and tip the lines to get the win. What about you, Jared? Yeah, I'd have to go. Uh, I'd have to go with Fentry Gully on this one, and it was um, Jess Moore that was the player. There you that, go. Yeah, apologies to to Jess Moore there, uh, but yeah, it's got to be Fentry Gully for me. They've hit form too hard. Uh, Spider, what about you? You've had a bit Fentry, of a coffee sorry, had a bit here, of mate. That's with right. the old uh, radio, the lurgy, but uh, no, Fentry Gully, I think, are looking okay. I think good result yeah. for the buy. Yeah, they've, no, they've hit a bit of form. I think they've hit some form and I think they'll win. Yeah, absolutely. We'll let you catch your breath back, Spider. I, I'm with you. I think I'm Fentry Gully going to win this one pretty comfortably, to be honest. Um, I, I think Fair Park, like I said, that sugar hit has has run out. And this one, if they lose this one, it'll just be all attention on that Glen Waverley game. Um, in in a, I think I think it is the week after, to be honest. Um, but I'm not entirely sure on that one. But it, it, it's an interesting one to watch. So uh, we're going to go to another break here on the weekend forecast. It's all happening here in the Raybed Studio. Uh, in inside, we've all got a bit of a, a cold, you know. And don't worry, we've all been tested for those listening at home. Uh, but yeah, we're going to go to another break here on the weekend forecast. When we come back, the other two games in Division Three, and then we'll look in Division Four where Chanside Park get another chance at trying to topple Sylvan. Got a bit to say to David Lagan. He must have just stepped off his line there, guys. And uh, Big Gordon, not quite um, a dainty man, just snuck up on him and, <laughs> and took him out. And he's, he's kicking into what is a strong breeze. 
he's going to probably aim for the right-hand goalpost. And this to bring the Tigers back to within four points. Yep. Very close to the man on the mark, though, here, Brash. The big fella. Didn't look comfortable, but he struck it pretty That's nicely. Right. Two and a minute for the Tigers. He's given it the double. Former Temple State man. Gets plenty of height on the kick. I think he's off target though. In fact, he's out of bounds. He's missed everything completely. And that's yeah. a wasted opportunity. Hard kick for a left footer on the left hand side. That just can't get the angle of the dangle right. <laughs> <laughs> the angle of the dangle. Inventing words today, uh, Brad. Angle of the dangle right. Angle of the dangle right. Angle of the dangle right. Wayne Bratcher there, uh, always on the money is Brash. He almost he almost came out with that uh, last week at it, uh, Queen's birthday game, but he sort of stopped himself and steadied and then delivered uh, perfectly. But we, we do love him and his insight is always uh, warranted and welcomed. Welcome back to the Deakin Uni weekend forecast as we jump into the second half of Division 3 and then have a look at Division 4. We've been a bit rusty on our return back from the bye, but we feel the nuts and bolts of it has still been pretty good. We're probably just, we're just missing that flair. We haven't quite got that uh, chemistry going back up yet. Uh, but let's look into Donvale and Whitehorse. This is actually a huge game, you know. And I think the fact that, you know, first and second are playing and eighth and ninth are playing, sort of, you know, this flies under the radar. But Whitehorse have missed a couple of opportunities, Jared, before the bye to, you know, their last two away games. If they'd won them, they would have been in the top four. So they lost to Glen Waverley and then lost to Fentry Gully. If they, they should, on paper, have won both of those games and then they would probably be in third. Yeah. Um, so it's incredible to think that their away form has cost them so much. Um, and then you look at Donvo, who we're really bullish on, but they just can't seem to string it together. I know, they've lo- they- I know they haven't got their full team, but they should be doing better than they are. And, and that round one loss to Whitehorse, uh, albeit at Whitehorse, is one that might come back to buy them. Um, Indeed. It's huge. The winner here will jump into fourth. Yep. Um, and then, you know, the, and then they both have to play Coldstream. I think Whitehorse play Coldstream in maybe two, three weeks' time. So if Whitehorse can, can beat Donvo and then beat Coldstream. One, they'll be able to finally win some games away from home, but they, they could lock away a top-four spot in the next month. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Whitehorse, uh, they've got a huge opportunity here to sort of like step a little bit further than I think what their club has ever really gone before, uh, which is which is quite exciting times. Uh, so, And you don't want to sort of like be the Stephen Bradbury and, and just sort of like watch everyone else fall around uh, around you and and take that so it's a game that they they're going to want to take not just for their chances but also for their pride as well uh so i had a look at the teams as well uh haig is back uh but no murphy still uh and i think it's not the worst uh result to have it that way around uh because you know you've got without murphy you've still got ethan duncan who we saw against waverly blues you know he kicked four goals i think ideal world though I don't know what their plans are. Though. Yeah, I think Duncan, that ideal world, would play in defence. Yeah, that is definitely. I think the, he's the a, ideal, Yeah, he's. I think he's just filling a hole at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, thinking about their their uh, you know go, their uh, chances going forward, uh, that is their best uh, their best option without Murphy. I think if Haig wasn't uh, there and Murphy was, Ethan would obviously go back in defence. But their uh, their midfield might struggle a little bit uh, against Whitehorse there. Uh, I reckon. And Goldsmith uh, has also come back as well, and that's another tool, uh, important tool that they've, you know, they've managed mm. to develop quite quite and they, nicely. And they'll need him because they need to bolster that defence, as as you sort of mentioned, because Horvat and Padbury have probably been the best players. I think Jaden Adolf did the Division Three mid-season review. He had Padbury winning their best and fairest, and Horvat's obviously kicking kick twenty goals, Josh. So uh, Donvale will either need to win the midfield battle pretty convincingly, or find someone to match up on those two because because they can both kick bags of goals. Yeah, and I think 
Goldsmith will will be going on to either Horvat or Padbury, and they need someone else to you know to support Ethan Duncan as well. You know that at bar himself, and of course Nick Murphy, who's had a great season. You know they can get goals from their from midfield, and you know Harry Giles. I'm not. I don't think he's playing though. He's been a decent goal. He's been a decent goal kicker. They can get goals from their midfield, but you know they need they need someone up forward as well to support. To support Ethan Duncan if they are to stand a chance. Zach Haig is a massive in that mm. bolsters their midfield a lot. I reckon, you know, he could potentially go up forward as well and kick a couple of goals. He kicked four in his last game against Ferntree Gully. So, yeah, a massive inclusion. But, yeah, Whitehorse, they're, they're a very talented side. This is their opportunity to get that away win, to give them the confidence for the rest of the season. And, yeah, it will be interesting to see yeah, how there's, it goes. There's more than just four points on the line here for Whitehorse Spider because it's a chance yeah. that it's a chance to do the double over a side that they may face in finals. Although if they win it, they probably won't face them because they'll probably knock them out. But also a chance to jump into the top four, which would be massive considering the club last year were what they were the second worst, maybe third worst team by a, a fair way. And then the the other thing as well is they'll finally win a game away from home. So there's three sort of. Uh, positives out of not the win other than just the four points. Yeah, that's right. I mean, look, I think the big thing for Donvale is just re-establishing their consistency, and that's probably plagued them during this season. They haven't been able to put their their best team out on the ground for one reason or another, but they'd be frustrated by that. But they've re- with Haig coming back into the team, I think that gives them that flexibility to, at some stage during the game, to throw him forward again, get some goals out of him. And I really believe that they can win this game. Good challenge for Wattles to go to to go and take on a good team like Donvale. If they can uh, you know, respond after that disappointment of the Furniture Gully game, well, that'll, that'll set them on the right path. But just get a bit of a feeling. Donvale, there's too much on the line to not to win this game. So I think that they'll win the game by about four or five goals. I think it'll be pretty tight early, but I've got a feeling that Donvale will get over the line. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting game. What are your tips? I'm, I'm going to back Whitehorse in here. I think Donvale... Something about them at the moment. I think they're just they're just quite off. Yeah, I, I see that. I definitely see that. I think, however, their ball movement against Waverley Blues wasn't awful. Uh, like I think it was, you know, it was kind of similar to Fetrigali earlier in the year when we saw them against Warren Dyke. I think Donvale's ball movement was not bad. It's just one that once they went forward, they fell apart, and also down back they were struggling because they had to flip Ethan Duncan over to the other side of the ground. Uh, I think. With Haig coming back, I've got to choose Donvale here. Uh, I don't think I quite have the faith in Whitehorse away from home uh, to take this one. I think Whitehorse are an exciting team. I think they are definitely a shot to make the finals. This will put a dent in that. However, I think that they have they still have enough good games in, left in them that this win won't necessarily count them completely out. Oh, Sorry, I got lost there. Who, yeah, who's, yeah. So you've got so Donvale. I've got Donvale, yeah. Okay, yeah. you've got Donvale winning, but you don't think Whitehorse are out of it if they yeah, lose. Okay. Right. Um, I'm actually going to go Whitehorse here. This oh, is their... good man. But you've got yes. that connection to the area, Josh. Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah. But I, 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 I do back Whitehorse to get the win. Zach Haig, yeah, like I said, is a massive inclusion, but... I, I just think... They've got to win away from home eventually. Yeah. It would be incredible to go through a season only winning at home this and is, almost making the final. Yeah, this is the chance to get that away win. and yeah, Because the crucial thing about finals, Josh, they aren't played at Whitehorse. Yeah, and they clearly they don't play outside of White, uh, Springfield Park well, but I think this is the opportunity to get that away win and I think they'll take it, they'll take it with, with both hands. They'll get the win here. 
Uh, just quickly before we move on to Glen Waverley scores, I mean, I know it's um, I know it's uh, not the, it's more of a female footy focused thing, but uh, I think the uh, young girl I think is it Iona Cameron or for Whitehorse Pioneers women's coming back after twelve months with ACL rehab. So um, I saw that on the Instagram. Apologies if I've got your name wrong there, but yeah, we, we, good luck to her when she's seeing. I think they got South Belgrave in the crossover game, so they're a sneaky chance there um, with some mm-hmm. returning players. So so we love to see that players returning. From injury, uh, let's jump into Glen Waverley Scoresby. So, start of the year, I was pretty bullish on Glen Waverley. Um, bullish to the extent that I thought they would beat Scoresby. Um, and at quarter time, it looked that way. They kicked the opening three. Scoresby couldn't get one on the board. And then after that point, Scoresby dominated them. And and since then, it's been an upward trajectory for Scoresby Spider. You know, they've adopted the full ground press. They're playing yep. in that way where, you know, they're not trying to be something they're not. They, they know their limitations. Um, and then Glenn Waverley have just sort of, they've been cruel by injury, yes, but it just hasn't clicked. And, you know, amazingly, should Donvale beat Whitehorse <laughs> or, or, and, or if Donvale and Whitehorse draw, let's say, and Scoresby win scores we were in the top four i keep talking about them avoiding relegation but the way they're playing there's still a sneaky chance for the four well they are a chance to play finals still if all the results go in their favor and they put some wins together look they, they've been pretty good i mean they started the season a little bit shaky but i think christian bardsley's really got the playing group together they've won some games they've won some big games and some important games uh, that warren game as we've spoken about a couple of times um yeah, also, they've yeah, they've dropped that game at Coldstream where they had the probably the better of uh, yeah. Well, both sides the, both sides have actually gone to Coldstream, been up early, and then faded and faded. So, look, I think they certainly have the credentials to win um, win games in the second half of the season and still have the a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel to play, possibly play finals. I think they'll win this game against Glen Waverley. For me, the performances have just been a little bit too inconsistent to tip them. So I think Scoresby will be able to win this game, and yeah. I think they'll win it pretty easily, yeah. to be honest. Massively, Josh. If Scoresby win it, they'll definitely move into fifth. And it could be above, if our tips are correct, they could be above Donvale, the team that belted them almost 100 points back in round two mm. or three. So a massive turnaround for Scoresby. But the thing is as well, if they lose, and of course, if one of Fairbuck and Fertry Gully will get the win, you know, Glen Waverley are only a game will only be a game behind them, and if Fair Park win, they're only a game behind them. So they're back in potentially that relegation. Yeah, they can't they, relax. They can't definitely can't. So yeah, I, it's hard for me to see them lose though. You know, Glen Waverley have haven't been performing to my expectations no. this year as well, and you know, Scoresby they might not have as well enjoyed the bye because they had all that momentum and it just sort of that momentum just sort of stopped with that Queen's birthday bye but yeah they're they're too they're a little too stronger than Glen Waverley I think they'll get the win here Jared yep I would say I, I agree with uh, both of those uh, summations I'd say Scoresby have got to uh, take this win and like with Scoresby's uh, strategy I suppose of Sticking in games throughout, uh, you know, throughout the match, and you know, la- landing the final blow in the final quarter, you know, making sure that uh, they're always they're always in it and they can lock down and and just stick with the team. They, whenever Glen Waverley is able to get on a run, get momentum, I don't think they're as much uh, danger of scoring against Scoresby as other teams. Uh, I think Scoresby will be able to lock up 
uh, Glen Waverley a lot easier than other teams. Uh, so, yeah, I've got Scoresby in this one, for and, sure. And, and the big ground won't really worry Scoresby, given Scoresby no. Recreation Reserve's fairly large, maybe not as big as Central Reserve, but, yeah, mm. pretty pretty big itself. So, But for Glen Waverley, look, they, they pinched the win over Whitehorse out of nowhere, so we can't count them out. No. Um, and and if they, they probably need to pinch a win like this to avoid falling into that bottom two, given with they've obviously got Furniture Gully and Fair Park in the next two weeks. Um, if they can come away with sort of three wins from those three games, they'll have done incredibly well given their start. But, yeah, it's a very interesting game. And, look, I just still can't get over the fact that Scoresby could possibly be in the top four if everything fell into place. But yeah. I think they'll definitely be in fifth and will play Donvale at home. So, you know, all of a sudden, it's it's an incredible effort by and Christian they're playing Barsley. well at home. So they do. It's I think, not without I think, a possibility. I think it's Donvale next week. It's definitely soon for Scoresby. Um, so, you know, like I said, if they win this one and they play Donvale, um, in in the in their next game, it's yeah, it's all it could all be in their hands pretty soon, Spider. So, look, really well done to that club because, like I said, at the start of the year, I was really worried they would be going down with Fair Park. So they've done incredibly well. And it is the battle of the Magpies. It is next, next week. week. Battle yeah, of the Magpies, yeah. In a Division Four now, and uh, look, all the games, even the Kilsoth Nutter Wadding game, which is where we'll start, are pretty interesting in terms of their ramifications. So Nutter Wadding always get up for these games, Josh against. The Kilsoth Croydon North, despite the fact that you know Kilsoth and Croydon North have got three wins, none of have got none. They, they do get up for them. It's almost as if in their head they see these teams pop up and they think, "Oh, this is a game we can win," um, you know, and and can't quite get that that same performance out when they play the other sides. But for Kilsoth, it's it's really important that they get back on the winners list and don't slip up here because they missed an opportunity to kill Kilsoth off. I mean, Forest Hill off when they last played them. Um, and that would have possibly moved them in the third spot, but it definitely would have entrenched them in the top four. So um, they need to make sure they don't trip up here and, and get back on the winners list and most likely move into fourth spot. Yeah, they. this is, yeah, this is a big banana peel game for... For the Cougars, you know they they've built something. They've built, they've developed a lot this year. They have been they've exceeded my expectations. I I I expected them to struggle to be possibly the well one of the worst sides in the in the division. But yeah, they they've done really well. But yeah, none of Wadding do get up for these games. I think that though they'll be dented by the fact that they got comfortably defeated as well by well. By Sylvan the, on Queen's birthday, but by Croydon North, Croydon North the the week before as well. But yeah, this is an interesting game. I don't know how much they'll enjoy, you know, playing on the big ground out of Pink's Reserve. But yeah, it's it's hard to go past Killsite. They usually get the wins against sides around, sides around them. But I honestly won't be too surprised if Nana Warden get the win here. They've improved a lot, I reckon. And yeah, I think if they can get the win here just shows how much they've improved throughout the season. Can either of you two join Josh there? Because as much as I agree that it is a banana skin and Nutter Wadding will be up for it, I think Kilsoth have been probably, I know Forest Hill won that their last battle, but Kilsoth probably should be in the four, Spider. Well, they probably should be, yes. Uh, I think Kilsoth have been progressing okay. I think they they did start the year a bit, bit slow. We were a bit concerned on where the direction of the club was heading on field, but I think they've put some good wins together. I think uh, they'll be able to do that again, and I think they'll be able to get the second half of the season uh, and continue the momentum. I, I think they're a side to watch. Uh, it might not happen for them this year in terms of finals, but I think uh, you know some wins in the back half of the year will certainly uh, put them in the right direction uh, for the seasons going forward. Jared? Yeah, Kilsai seems to be one of those teams that you can sort of trust to beat the teams around them and below them at least. Uh, so I, I've got them 
betting, not a wadding here for certain. Uh, Ryan Goodenson, obviously, uh, he kicked nine goals against Nunawading last time they met, so that's definitely a concern for uh, for Nunawading. But uh, if they if they're able to somehow uh, negate him, maybe they're in with a shot. Especially as as has been mentioned, they uh, they do get up for these games. However, I think you know Kilsyth should be able to take this one. I, I, I'm starting to de- develop a bit of trust in them to yeah. defeat your Nunawadings in your uh, Croydon North. Yeah, on the such. Croydon North game, I think. That's a different kettle of fish. I think they're, they're genuinely a lot closer, but this guy definitely, I think, Kilsyth should win that comfortably. Uh, Forest Hills, sorry, Park. Now, first of all, I think Josh Ward reckons he's got breaking new scoop. Uh, he think it was everyone, scoop. Scoop Ward. Old Scoop Ward over here. He thinks he's got breaking news. Now, I'll be interested to see if it is breaking. It isn't breaking news. I've just oh, got... Oh, oh. Well, well, there is, he, there is he some big news. He came in tooting his own horn, didn't he? He came in spider. He came in and goes, I've got news. I said I've got news from a source. I didn't say it was That's big breaking. news. I did, oh, breaking. Has anyone else got this news? Have you seen it anywhere else? Well, I I don't think so. But well, that would that would yeah, classify yeah, as yourself, breaking. Sure. All right, Come on, all right, all right. Well, is it breaking news? It is breaking we need, news. We need but a jingle. You know, they're, they're, but you <laughs> know, we got a jingle on here. <laughs> uh, no, nah, we haven't got. Unfortunately, I wish we did. But you know, I I've got a source that at Surrey Park. You know, they're confident that they can bounce back because is that know, your breaking news? That's my breaking news. Yes. Wait, that's it. Yeah, that's well, your break. That's not no, news. No, no. <laughs> that's, 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 that's a feeling. That's emotions. That's what it was. You recruit. Not a new recruit, not a new recruit. So, you, so should, just to clarify, your breaking news is that a club thinks they can bounce back with yeah, a win. Yeah, but that's not breaking say, news. I that's didn't just say a PR news. line. You said you had news. You had a source. You had a source giving us news. That's just a tried and tested line. Oh, no Cubs going to go. Oh, we are rooted, but they've got yeah. Well, they've got key players coming back. They've got, right, they're okay. going to improve. Okay. They're going to improve. Unlike what you think. Unlike so what your you source. Think. It's a, to clarify. The news yeah. is not that they think they're going to win. Yeah. The news is that they're getting players back. They're getting players okay. back. The news is that they're getting Who? players back. Um, you know, Paul Colopy and Ollie Anderson have come back in recent week. They're two key players. Matt Pollock. Um, you know, they're still missing James Kempworthy, who I. Don't think not a lot of people would have seen. He's going to be the new the interim coach with Surrey Park. David Jensen has left, but yeah, they're confident they can bounce. They're confident they can bounce back. That's the big news I've. Got. That's the big news right. I've got. I'll tell you what, mate. You got to really look up your definitions. There. Yes, I, I do know that. I do you know could, that. You, you, maybe not news. You've got inside word. I got inside yeah, word. Okay. Yeah, you got some word from. I got Zara some Park. inside word. Right. Word from in, within the four walls. Yeah, now within that, the four words. Now that Josh is. He's shattered the glass around Surrey Park's <laughs> tight bubble spider. Let's talk about this game between Forest Hill and Surrey Park. So it's at Forest Hill. Um, you know, we're really impressed with the fact that they got that win um, over Kilsyth. You know, backs against the wall. It's a massive win for that club because it would have probably put them in a bit of a spiral. They wouldn't have made finals if they'd lost that one, you would suspect. Um, but now, all of a sudden, the pressure's on Surrey Park. Although they are claiming that they're going to improve, Forest Hill, have, they'll be buoyant from the win. Um, you know they'll have, you know they'll be positive. They would have gone into the buy and sort of you know pressures off a little bit, and now they can heap it back onto Surrey Park by by they could leapfrog them with a win, and also really Surrey Park have, haven't won in about a, in a fortnight or so. So it's a big big week for the Zebras. 
it's that replicating, isn't it? For you know, to be able to do the it. Shoes on the other foot. Yeah, Forest Hill. They haven't been able to do it throughout the season. So if they can put a couple of wins together and give themselves a genuine chance and get some confidence around their club, which hasn't been there throughout the course of the first part of the year, well, you know, who knows what might transpire. But Surrey Park, they'll be uh, they'll be going there, hoping that they can uh, re-establish themselves and get themselves back up and running after what's been a pretty disappointing couple of uh, performances in recent times. Yeah, and Jared, as obviously as we know, David Jensen's moved moved on by mutual consent. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that because he did, is that is that a work or is that a job opportunity? Yeah, his his job is, is up to his hours. Um, so. Will we see Surrey Park find more goals with a change of coach? Sometimes that sugar hit because they've probably struggled to score. That's probably been the one thing for Surrey Park that they just haven't got that firepower they had last year. Yep, they might they might able to they might be able to come in and play with a, a little bit more flair. Uh, the thing that I focused on a little bit was the fact that Forest Hill were able to stick with Surrey Park a little bit uh, during that game. Uh, earlier on in the season it was close at half time it was close at three quarter time so Forest Hill have that sort of that ability and that knowledge perhaps to to know what it takes to stick with uh sorry Park throughout uh, you know a couple of quarters and if they're able to extend that out and play a four quarter game then Forest Hill are absolutely a chance uh to win this but I have to say for mine my tip would be it would have to go towards sorry Park uh not just because uh you know, I think I trust them a little bit more than I do trust Forest Hill. But also the uh, the breaking news that Josh uh, brought just the just, so-called it swung breaking my, news. It's, it's swung it's my swung idea. You. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the news, <laughs> the news. I have no idea. News. I have no idea what I what I mean by news. Yeah, you said <laughs> you despite had the news. fact I'm a sports journalist. Um, but yeah, it's yeah the inside the inside word is saying that. Thank you. That's you know, the, yeah, that's much that's much better. We can edit out that last bit. But you know, that, their ball move their ball movement is going. Going to is going to improve. They're going to be. They're going to be. You know, they've got key players coming back as 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 I said before. And yeah, it's they do. And I reckon they're almost at full strength. This is an opportunity for them to bounce back against. Well, Forest Hill will have confidence after that win against Kilsyth, but I still think they'll be down given they've had a bit of an inconsistent season, or from my point of view. But yeah, it's um, it's definitely going to be a big. A big clash for both sides. I just, I'm always going to back Surrey. I think they've got their their number on them this time, despite playing on the smaller ground. All right, who are we tipping quickly? Surrey Park for me in a tight one. Surrey Park, indeed. I won't even ask Josh. I'm going yep. to Forest Hill, <laughs> just to break the the break the uh, the trend there. Okay, last one. Sylvan Churnside Park one v two. Um, and if there was ever a team that was going to knock off Sylvan, it, it's it's got to be Churnside Park in this division. I don't think any other side's going to get close, unfortunately. Um, you know, the Panthers go into this game well clear of third place, and they've started to add a bit of scoring to their game. You know, when we watched them early on in the year, they were still a bit scrappy, mm. uh, but they've kicked 62 majors in the last month of footy, which is good signs. And, you know, they've got the likes of Josh Clement, who's been in probably career-best form. Ben Slattery's a gun, um, lifting in the midfield. The big task will be on Aaron Puckering to try and Grant Stevens to try and um, help stop James Charge, who's been um, an unsung hero for Sylvans, you know, Kimpton and Fick really kicking the goals, but from all reports, Charge is giving them first use. So, um, but Jared, what what we have noticed is, and we noticed, I think the Monday recovery, Ray Baird and I were saying about uh, two or three weeks ago, whenever we last recorded, was that Dave Newlands now, he's got turned into a position where literally the rest of the year, he can just try to figure out how to beat Sylvan. Yep. Like that. Unless they went on this unbelievable losing streak, they're not going to miss finals. They're probably going to get double chance. So they're going to get. I think they've got Sylvan this week. Um, they may play them one more time in the in the back end, and then they'll probably play them most likely twice in finals. So they've got four attempts to beat them to figure out how to beat them. 
Ideally, yep. uh, ideally, for them on that last one. But they've got yep. four attempts. He's got to try and figure it out. That's that's literally what he has to do now. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's sort of that's the uh, the, the game plan. That's the the modus operandi that they have to take in here is the fact that it's not necessarily about winning against Sylvan. It's about just sort of like trying what you can, seeing what you know, throwing whatever you can at the wall and seeing what sticks because Sylvan, you know, the, I feel like Chonsai Park doesn't have much to lose in this game specifically. You're like this weekend is not, it's not the biggest weekend in terms of like, we've got to get the four points. It's about reconnaissance. Well, it's trying to establish a, a weakness where that they can potentially exploit later in the season. Yep. And then yep. maybe there's some sort of area where they can really work on knowing, okay, we're going to have to play them again multiple times. Yep. What area of their game do we think we can really work on to beat them mm. and, uh, and make make them feel a little bit uncomfortable? And I think that's the challenge for Churnside Park to be able to do that. But I think for Sylvan, they're just going to keep you know, playing and trying to improve. And it's hard to motivate yourself every week because you just go there with that expectation. We're going to win by a big margin every week. So, And that is the scary part of it. You turn up on the unexpected day and for some reason the attitude's not quite what it should be and then all of a sudden you drop that yeah, drop that game just unexpectedly. So, Silver have got to be very careful because you know that could potentially happen in the, in the, in the run to the finals. But for Churnside Park, it is a free hit and a good opportunity for them to try and have a bit of a look at ways that they can potentially expose Sylvan in the weeks going forward. And the thing is as well, I think from all reports as well, their weakness, Sylvan's weakness, well, sort of weakness, is their midfield. Yeah, they often get first use. I don't know whether it's it's a weakness, but it's not not their strength. Yeah, and if you know, if Turnside Park can, and if they can get on top, in midfield, and I reckon they can with the Slattery and the Clavant boys. Slattery, Clavant, Burt. Yeah, know, they've yeah. got very, they're a very talented midfield, and Grant Stevens and Aaron Puckering, we saw them against Surrey. They're, they're two really good ruckmen, and will, will cause a bit of headaches, I reckon, for James Charge. I reckon they can get on top. It's just, yeah, they need to convert their chances inside 50, which evidently they have recently, but. You know they really need to this week, given how potent Sylvan's forward line yeah, is. Yeah, that's that's the thing too. You can't you can't kick eight eleven and, and beat Sylvan at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you've got to you've got to stop Fickerly, you've got to stop Kimpton, you've got to stop it at the source. So yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. It's just something to watch as the season goes on. There's going to be obviously the battle for fourth spot and and maybe third. You know, if Surrey Park can't, you know, obviously, you know, I don't think they would have planned to have a change of coach midway through the year. I don't think James Kentworthy came across thinking he was going to have to do it. So, you know, all of a sudden, Surrey Park aren't the lock for third. We thought they were. So, you know, there's four teams trying to get into the, the top four and then you've got Churchside trying to knock off Sylvan and Nutterwadding trying to sort of give themselves something to, to look forward to for 2023. So there is some sort of narratives developing um, in Division 4, which is good to see. Uh, gentlemen, though, we, we have to say it's been good to have the gang back together. <laughs> yeah, like, um, obviously, like I said, off the top there a little bit that, you know, we, we, you know, we haven't quite, you know, we're not linking up our handball chains quite yet, but the, the nuts and bolts <laughs> is there, you know, yeah. the core, the core of this podcast is there. So hopefully everyone has enjoyed a bumper Deacon Uni weekend forecast. Obviously, no Will Spence interview. We've given Will the week off, but there was just so many good games. We didn't have time. Mm. Um, so it's going to be an absolutely bumper weekend of Eastern Football Netball League action. So, uh, get out there 15 degrees and sunny tomorrow. Get out there, enjoy it, and uh, we'll see you next time.
down to the most important sentence clearance of the afternoon. So Haig won it down. Wignall got it. Can he get a handball away? He's going to burst away. He's going to run to 50. Low ball to the top of the goal square. McCormack! Oh, no. He put it in! Oh, he no. put it in! Oh, Wignall. He got through the Acosta-Harvey tackle. Oh, no. Took a few paces and then speared it to low to McCormack. He's been good all day, Billy. He started the day with an almost hanger. Kicked the, the check side for right in front of us. Billy, he can, make a, he can make a name for himself. Billy, don't be a hero. Oh, I think they want him to be one now, Brad. 15 metres out. Billy McCormack's kicked it.